Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, April 7th. You're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott, and today I'm joined by Charles Power, national analyst at 24-7 Sports. I'm excited for the deep dive convo we're about to have. Charles, how are you doing? Good, good. Well, that was... That was you must be pretty locked in over there. I mean, I, 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 I'm running out of things to say, uh, like not in, in quarantine. I think we're running out of, uh, you know, doing the same thing I, I was, was gonna, doing last week. <laughs> I was going to ask you what shows you're watching, but then I was like, I've talked to him since we've been quarantined now. So we're we're all like, it was kind of fun the first week of quarantine to be like, what are you watching? And now it's just like, I assume you're watching things and going outside a few times a day. So today's prompt is players who are going to benefit from a scheme change uh, of the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator variety. You've got a full list up on 247sports.com. I don't know if we're going to talk about all those guys today. But this is an intriguing list, Charles, because you managed to get a lot of guys who are established producing maybe star-level players and a lot of guys who are still kind of waiting to break out. So it's a good marriage of everything. Let's start with KJ Costello the Stanford transfer, who's now at Mississippi State, with Mike Leach, was this the most obvious one you had? Like, well, when I started to do this, I, I kind of was thinking of of I, I didn't really think of transfers. So while it seems it almost seems too obvious, um, but but yeah, I think this is probably one of the easier uh, slam dunks with 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 the quarterback position. Um, you know, I think you look at Mike Leach the last several years. Really, I mean, almost kind of dating back to Texas Tech, he's really kind of gravitated towards um you know playing uh seniors like kind of throwing in uh like you know older quarterbacks into his offense you think of like a bj bj simons uh sonny cumbie were kind of played like late in their careers at texas tech and then of course once he got to washington state uh, you know, he obviously had Garner Minshew, a one-year grad transfer who had a breakout season. Anthony Gordon was a first-year starter this year at, at Washington State. Uh, and then it, of, of all of those guys, K.J. Costello coming in as a transfer from Stanford is certainly the most accomplished and productive to this point. So um, you kind of look at those two together. K.J. Costello uh, really was, was was productive at Stanford despite kind of being like Stanford isn't really known as a, as a team that throws the ball around and he threw for 30, 3,500 yards um, two years ago, had some injuries this past season. And he's coming into an offense uh, with, with Mike Leach that has been the, you know, the, the top passing offense in the country uh, almost annually. And uh, I, I think it, it's a relatively easy offense to grasp. I mean, that's one thing with, I think one caveat we need to um, you know consider here with, with the coronavirus and, you know, maybe like a, a truncated off season, uh, at the minimum, a lot of that, it's going to depend on, you know, these are new coaches. It's going to depend on kind of how 
the how easy the scheme is to pick up and, and kind of how the players take to the changes too. So, um, yeah, I thought Costello was, was definitely more, one of the more obvious ones. Dak Prescott's got the title of best Mississippi State quarterback locked down, but I think KJ Costello is a pretty safe bet if he's healthy to go in there and shatter their passing records. If you look at Mississippi State single season passing records, uh, Dak Prescott, his 2015 season is first with 3,700 yards. Mike Leach's last five starting quarterbacks would rank first, second, sixth, fourth, and third in all-time Mississippi State passing. So it's it's safe to say K.J. Costello is going to go because, I mean, he's a talented guy. It's 2018 season, 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Talented guy. I wonder if anyone's going to take a, a Heisman flyer on him. I, I saw Barton Simmons ranked K.J. as the number one quarterback in the SEC. So it's going to be interesting to see. He's probably going to throw for at least 4,000 yeah. yards. I think the main thing with him is just going to be staying healthy. Yeah, uh, Charles. Who else? You got a few other quarterbacks. Who else do you want to highlight here? Yeah, I think I, I think Jaden Daniels is, is an obvious one at, at Arizona State. Um, I, I know you know Chris Hummer wrote a story on twenty four seven Sports a couple weeks ago, kind of that that I think kind of sets the stage for for what Arizona State's trying to do um, with, with Jaden Daniels. Uh, Herm Edwards made the change at offensive coordinator and brought in Zach Hill from Boise State. I think when you look at what Zach Hill was able to do with Hank Bachmeyer early on last season. I think that's pretty encouraging. Hank Bachmeyer is a true freshman quarterback, uh, kind of like a, a low four-star type, um, and, and came in and was able to play pretty much uh, immediately and, and, and played well the first half of the season, the first, I guess, maybe three, four games of the season before he got hurt. And, um, you know, Jane Daniels and Hank Bachmeyer played against each other in high school, and it was there's no question who the more talented uh, prospect player is. So if you kind of, you know, extrapolate that, uh, with, with with Zach Hill coming in, I, I think Jaden Daniels would would be one who um, could definitely put, put like you know see a, a bit of an uptick uh, you know in, in his play and production and um, you know an, another season in college will certainly help. But you know of course uh, the scheme I think will will help him a little bit too. What do you think the ceiling is for Jaden Daniels as we we're in an NFL draft season anyway? Yeah. So is this a guy who what year would he be? Twenty twenty two, right? Is he a few? like 10 or 20 pounds away from being a potential number one overall candidate. Cause you're assuming it's, I mean, you never know, but we're thinking it's going to be a quarterback because that's, it's the NFL draft unless right. we've got a transcendent edge rusher in that class. So it's, it's Jaden Daniels. It's Sam Howe. It's Spencer Rattler. Yeah, maybe Keaton you know, slow. I mean, it, it could Jaden Daniels is he, do you view him highly like that or? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought so. Like I, I, you know, I, I kind of thought Jane Daniels was a five star when we were doing the rankings um, in that tw- in the twenty I guess it was twenty twenty cycle um, or twenty nineteen cycle twenty nineteen yeah twenty nineteen cycle but uh, yeah I mean, I, I've always I've been a huge fan of Jane Daniels I think he has uh, you know a lot, just a lot of what you look for with, with quarterbacks nowadays um, I think he's obviously he showed this this past college football season he had four comeback he led four uh, come from behind victories uh, he's you know the the moment's not too big for him so he has those intangibles but then you factor in he's got like a, a live arm can make a lot of plays with it with his legs extend the play um has always been pretty naturally accurate and, and doesn't turn the ball over i think that's one of the biggest things is he's never really thrown a, a lot of interceptions so uh i always kind of thought i always kind of viewed him as like maybe like a skinnier deshaun watson was kind of my, my comfort him coming out of high school and he looked kind of like deshaun watson did as, as a freshman at, at clemson a little bit so uh i i mean i i think he has that yeah i i, I have no reservations saying that his ceiling would be, you know, top 10, top five, maybe number one overall type of quarterback. Love it. 
George Pickens, the Georgia receiver. I, I did you kind of have some regret when we filed the twenty under twenty and George Pickens wasn't on there? I, I, Am I putting you on the spot? Well, for that? I, I I saw the uh, the comments that Georgia fans were saying like this was they were they were not not pleased, but. Uh, Despite the fact that you took a leap on Nolan no, Smith. Nolan Smith, yeah. It was just the wrong the wrong Georgia player. Um, you can't ever <laughs> please everybody. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the – when you're doing a list like that, I think maybe the, the, the bar for, for a receiver could be uh, – could maybe be a little higher than, than a pass rusher, but, but yeah, I mean, George Pickens had a great freshman season. I think we were, we watched that uh, Rose Bowl together in, in, in San Antonio where he had 12 receptions. Um, you know, it, it seemed like they were throwing him the ball every play. And I think when you look at you know, George Pickens had this great year, despite George's offense at passing offense. I mean, I think anybody that watched them this year, including Georgia fans would tell you it left a lot on the table, a lot to be desired. And, you know, you look at maybe the offense last year or in in the 2018 season. Like Nicole Hardman had 500 receiving yards in, in that offense, and obviously outperformed that a, a bunch in the NFL. So it was it was a offense at Georgia that was a lot more run focused and didn't really um, spread the ball around a lot uh, from a passing standpoint. So I think with, with with Todd Munkin coming in, you know, Todd Munkin is known as a hyper aggressive offensive coach, play caller. Um, I think you look at the, the the dream scenario for Georgia fans as it relates to George Pickens is you look at what Todd Munkin did in his uh, one year with at Oklahoma State with, with Justin Blackman when Justin Blackman had 122 catches and 18 touchdowns. Now it's unlikely. I mean, it's highly unlikely that George Pickens does that in the SEC, but like that, like he Munkin is going to feed their their top receivers and um, you know Pickens is kind of that big physical. Uh, contested catch guy uh who it, it's just gonna be fun to watch him throwing him jump balls in the red zone and stuff like that so i, I i'm looking forward to seeing kind of what he does and, and you know bringing in jamie newman I, I don't think the scheme uptick is going to be as big with jamie newman like they were running some some interesting stuff at, at wake forest and he had good receivers at wake forest also but i i think you know just seeing what jamie newman did at wake forest with uh, pushing the ball vertically he loves to throw the ball deep um, and, and throwing it up to, to kind of big, big physical receivers. So I think it's a really good fit with, with uh, Munkin and Jamie Newman coming in for George Pickens. Like I, he, he should, I, I would think, dwarf his, his numbers um, you know, this, this coming season. It's crazy that 49 catches led his team, and that was 12 more or so than Lawrence Cager, I believe, who was injured for a few games. Right. It, it Honestly, that's more of an indictment, I on, I think, on Jake Fromm and their past offensive system. So yeah. It's one of the – they. I, I keep looking at Georgia as an LSU-type program. I mean, I think you've mentioned this several times on several different podcasts that they're sort of a sleeping giant of talent waiting to be awoken with all these monsters. And you mentioned Mikal Hardman gets to the Chiefs and just balls out and is sort of the talk of the NFL's rookie circle. Meanwhile, he in college was never close to that yeah. productive. So yeah. it's going to be interesting because you would assume George Pickens and then a few of the guys they brought in in 2020, it, they're eventually going to be stars at the NFL level. So why not make them stars now? Right, right. I mean, I think that's one of the big things is, um, you know, with – when when you recruit at a high level, I think what, what, like one of the best arguments for going to this this kind of offense is when you recruit at a high level and you and you bring in talent at receiver, it just makes sense to get the ball in in their hands. Like if you're like let, let, let's look at Alabama or or LSU for instance, they have multiple five stars at, at receiver. 
you have one running back on the field, uh, it, it makes sense to distribute the ball to as many of those talented guys as, as possible. And you can really get favorable matchups with, with maybe an overmatched corner. So that's kind of why we, I think we see these schools um, that, that bring in blue chip talent like Alabama, LSU. Uh, I mean, you get, think about it. You get Jaden, uh, Jalen Waddle on uh, safety. He, that's a five-star one-on-one matchup. That's maybe a little harder to dictate with a five-star running back. So um, I, I think it, it makes sense just from, um, you know, a personnel use standpoint too. So you compared, you drew the parallel of Justin Blackman, Todd Munkin, and then you've got in your notes Cortland Sutton, Chad Morris, which leads you to a Seth Williams of Auburn breakout performance. He was big against Oregon in week one. He, he led Auburn in receiving. You think more 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 could come for Seth? Yeah, I think just watching the SEC on a weekly basis, you know, watching Auburn, I think anybody would come away thinking like this guy is like really talented. I mean, he's six three, two twenty, big physical receiver, not dissimilar from from George Pickens, two, um, you know, Alabama natives. Uh, we're we're talking about here, um, but but yeah, I, I think it, in another kind of to draw the the similar comparison with Michael Hardman, you look at Darius Slayton, who is a breakout, uh, you know, kind of all rookie team receiver. Uh, for, for the Giants this year, you know, at, at Auburn, Darius Slayton, I think maybe had like 500, like he had under 600 yards uh, as a, as a junior. And then again, as a sophomore. So, uh, and Seth Williams out, like outproduced that this past season at, at Auburn. So I think another off season with, with, with Bo Nix and then bringing in Chad Morris to kind of spruce up their passing game a little bit. I, I think that'll help him a lot. And I think if you look at if you look at Chad Morris's history as offensive coordinator and, and kind of the offensive coach really prior to Arkansas, which obviously just didn't didn't work that well. You look at his time at Clemson and, and, and then at SMU. I think the to me the staple of Chad Morris's offense is kind of the stars of the offense have been the receivers. You know, you think if you think about it, Clemson he had uh, New Hopkins and, and uh, Sammy Sammy Watkins, and then at SMU uh, Cortland Sutton was just you know almost impossible to guard in the AAC. But um, I think if Seth Williams, uh, you know. It's hard to we'll see what he looks like in Chad Morris's offense, but um, just kind of given what he's shown so far in a pretty like pretty rudimentary um, uh, passing offense, like I think if they kind of get him some more favorable matches, I think he'll be a guy who kind of explodes on the national scene. Gonna be interesting too to see what Bo Nix does in that offense. Let's let's talk some defensive players, Charles, and you have mentioned Moro Jomo to me. Uh, as a Texas guy for a long time, and he enrolled when he was 16 years old, a late bloomer as a recruit. I, and I think everybody thinks that this, you know, the the exile of, or the exodus of Todd Orlando is going to do big things for Mora, who in two years has just 13 tackles and is going to be a he, he's 19 years old right now. Will be a redshirt sophomore this fall. Right. Yeah. I. I Trey, and you're, you're probably just like more qualified to speak on this th- th- than I am, but I think when you look at Todd, uh, Todd Orlando's defense at, at, at Texas, it was really more of a, a three-man front. Um, the, the defensive linemen were kind of eating blocks. And I, so I, I think there's there's multiple players that I think you could maybe single out for, for, for Texas here, any kind of edge rusher. Um, I guess it's just I think this part of making this move to Chris Ash at defensive coordinator for for Todd, for Tom Herman was we just want to utilize our, our defensive line better like we're I think Texas probably is recruiting defensive line at a higher level than almost any school in in the Big 12 so it makes sense to run a scheme that's going to utilize your players the best there and kind of um, kind of 
you know, uh, capitalize on the competitive advantage they have from a roster standpoint. Uh, it, and I think, I mean, I, I've obviously been high on Morijomo the whole time, and I, I think the clock's going to start ticking here. Um, you know, we're going to kind of run out of uh, excuses like we're not going to have a scheme excuse anymore. And Tom Herman came out like at the end of last season was saying, Hey, like we need to do a better job developing our players, putting them in positions to succeed. I think Moro Joma is a great example of that. So it'll be fun to kind of see, um, you know, how that, how that, you know, kind of meshes this, this fall, um, with, with running more of a kind of a traditional four man front. And he's really kind of like a, like a, ideally like a three technique who can pin his ears back and shoot gaps and, and, um, kind of make plays in the backfield. So he's one I'm, I'm really looking forward to, um, kind of seeing how he, he works in that new scheme. You said clock is ticking. And I thought about Mark Pope earlier. We didn't really mention him. He's on your list as receiver for Miami mm-hmm. when, and we don't need to talk about Mark, but like when, when, do, when do you start to give up on a guy year three? Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think if, if they aren't making plays by the time they're, they're a junior, like it's probably, uh, you know, I think it's maybe a pleasant surprise if they, uh, kind of blossom, I guess, as, as a senior, I think the biggest, the biggest up, like, I think historically when you look at players, it's, it's, it's different for everybody, but if we're going to kind of generalize it, I think you see big jumps from, from the, the freshman to sophomore year is probably the biggest one. So a lot of times if they aren't doing it by the time they're a junior, um, they might run the risk of getting over recruited, frustrated at transferring. Um, you might have coaching changes. So I think the, 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 to me, the, the freshman to sophomore jump is probably the, the most typical. We mentioned Todd Orlando. Well, he's at USC now bringing his, his defense to the Trojans. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like you, the media coverage of Todd Orlando's defense in LA now has been just, they're really excited about him. And it reminds me of when he came to Austin, they were excited about him and then then they were so glad he left, but he for sure, I think will help unlock some of their talented linebackers because the middle linebacker spot is sort of Todd Orlando. He wants his star of defense to be that guy. And so we've got USC, you got some names on this list. These guys, I remember them as recruits. These are a few uh, for big time talents here. Yeah, I think four star, five star types. Um, I think the the guy who could probably project as the, the potential star in in the defense is, is Pele Gaotioti. Um, he was he was a five star coming out of Bishop Gorman a couple cycles ago. H- had a good year last year. He had ninety six tackles, seven and a half tackles for loss. Um, and like you said, Trey, like the 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 star of the defense a lot of times for Todd Orlando is the is the linebacker. He's going to be a guy who he brings on a lot of blitzes. Um, you know, the defensive line's job is to kind of free up space for those guys for the linebackers to come through. Um, you know, c- kind of up the middle, off the edge. So I I think he's one. A couple others. I mean, the, the first name that I thought of when I was thinking of USC was, was Talanoa Hufanga. I, I like prior to, I think he had an injury a little bit last year, but, um, you know, prior to that, uh, was kind of like seen as, as, as the next rising star at, at USC on defense. He's just a really active safety. And, and one guy and kind of talking to, to our, the guys from our USC site, um, they mentioned Isaiah Polamal to me as a six four two ten big safety who uh, they think that they can kind of move around and, and create some, some, some favorable matchups, maybe blitz him a little bit. Um, Cause that's, I think when you're looking at Todd Orlando's defense, he runs a lot of three safety packages. So they're going to put a lot of those skill types in the field and Polo Mal kind of has that versatility that's where they can move him all around a lot of different spots. Yeah. Texas this year wanted to run this cowboy defensive backs package with seven or eight DBs right. in there and injuries did not allow that to happen, but that could be an interesting look. Hafanga is a former five-star. 
Last guy on this list, when Jaden Lars Woodbay committed to Florida State, was that like a, I remember his commitment video? It was, was like an hour long. Oh, it was, it was like no, brutal. it was, was it? it was longer than I think. They waited. Oh man, it might have been. It was several hours. It was the longest uh, commitment announcement I think ever. Like I, I remember looking at the Florida State message board. I think from the time the commitment was supposed to occur, I think the thread was like twenty pages long or something like that. And it was it, it's it's an all time. If you ever get bored and want to go on a message board deep dive, find the Jaden Lars would be commitment thread announcement thread on Florida State on the North North twenty four seven. It it was it was epic. But yeah, it was. Did they get to the point? Did they get to the point where they're like, we don't even want him? I I I, I think they might have circled back to just being like, we're we're just uh we're we're pot committed. We're invested at this point. Like we we've come too far to 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 throw throw cast him off now. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean, however, right now that's, that's what he's known for. And he was a really big get for Willie Taggart, who of course is gone, but he's entering his third year in the program. And you've got him on your list here as sort of a hybrid guy who you, you think could, could start making some plays. Yeah. So, so he, he's really kind of been moved around a little bit. It was kind of a victim of, uh, of kind of some, some scheme changes at, at, at Florida State. When you look at, uh, came came in immediately and it was basically like a day one starter. Um, was was ready to play. You're talking about a guy who was like a top 100, top 50 type prospect coming out of high school at, at St. John Bosco. So he came in with with a lot of pedigree and really kind of, you know, in terms of being an instant contributor, live up to it. And then he kind of like leveled off a little bit. And I think a lot of that was, you know, being moved around. Um, they kind of, uh, Florida State switched to this kind of like hybrid three, four defense. And they had him playing like almost like linebacker a little bit. He was really kind of more of a linebacker last year, which was out of position for him. Um, so, so I think, you know, just kind of talking to our, our Florida States guys um, from, from those 24 seven, they were saying that this spring in, in the kind of the short spring that they had, he was playing more of a, of a true safety spot, um, which is kind of just a lot. It fits his physical skill set better. It allows his instincts to take over. He's a very instinctive player, physical run defender. Um, it, it, I think, just having a little more like continuity within the scheme and, and he's just a much better fit for, I think what they're going to do um, with, with Adam Fuller coming over from, from Memphis. I think they're going to really put him into, in a position to, to succeed and they, and they need um, kind of that stabilizing force on, on, on the back end. So I, I think he could really be like a, a playmaker for them and his ceiling is like, you know, all ACC caliber safety for sure. So I, I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing what he does um, now that he's, freed up and playing a position that he's he's you know most comfortable playing i like it good stuff charles i was just just thinking about how like if we had done this last year and we might have i don't know anymore but you know who knows what happened three weeks ago but you would have had joe burrow on here uh, with joe brady and then he goes and wins the heisman so scheme changes sometimes it's all you need to really unlock a guy's potential so uh, excited to read your for, full article over at 24-7 Sports. Everybody should go check it out. We'll have Charles on uh, again soon, probably to talk about the NFL draft because it's that time of the year. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating and, and also leave us a review and ask Charles to write about something because that's where we get a lot of good ideas from. So for any, anyway, for, for Charles, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We will see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.